right, the champ is here. Loved by many, hated by few, respected by all, second to none, second to none. Uh, you know, we're doing what we normally do on Saturdays. Uh, this is the 10th year of the Commish Radio Show uh, here on the Fishbowl Radio Network. So i like to send a shout-out to all of those people who have been listening to us and have been following us uh, on uh, the Commish Radio Show. And uh, we would like to... Uh, uh, state that this is one of the times of the year in which we go back uh, to the preceding year and then we move forward into the year 2024. Uh, we'd like to say uh, to Miss uh, Jeanette Flores, uh, uh, thank you for tuning in and we'll also send our condolences on the loss of your friend. So I'd like to appreciate you for tuning in as well. So we are today are going to be honoring a Congresswoman Eddie Bernice Johnson. And I've lost a few friends uh, within the last couple of months. Uh, the last, when well, in the last month, really, Craig Watkins, the DA Craig Watkins, I lost him uh, during the month of December. And also Congresswoman Johnson lost her during the month of uh, December as well. I've known both of these individuals for a long time. Uh, Congresswoman Johnson, I've known her since the 1970s. Yep, that's right, the 1970s. Some of you guys weren't even born, I think. Uh, man, I think our producers here, I don't even think he was born in the 70s, man. He was born in 1984, see? I'm saying something happened in the 1970s, and uh, he wasn't even born. But in the 1970s, uh, uh, I was introduced to Congresswoman Johnson uh, through my mother. It was, I think it was 1970. My mother worked at the VA hospital, uh, and uh, Congresswoman Johnson wasn't Congresswoman Johnson at that time. Uh, was uh, Nurse Johnson. You know, she was a, a head of the uh, the psychiatric unit of uh, of a VA hospital. My mother worked at the VA hospital at a time when they didn't have or hire too many black people to be at the VA hospital. Well, that's a long time ago, you know. You know, when people say you had a good job, and good job was a job in which uh, you uh, were, were employed at a place where they didn't have black people. That's right. So at the VA hospital, Eddie Bernice Johnson got a job, was over a unit of, of people, or over the nurses unit. My mother worked at the hospital, and she worked in the canteen area, which is where you prepare the food. That's what she did. And also uh, Lee Alcorn, who was uh, a person that we later knew from uh, the Grand Prairie NAACP, president of Grand Prairie NAACP, Dallas NAACP. He worked there as well. And uh, Royce West's mother worked there. So that's the kind of people I used to hang out with. Well, I had no other choice. I was seven years old. So Congresswoman, I keep referring to her as Congresswoman Johnson. So Eddie Bernice Johnson worked there as well, and my mother had introduced me to her, you know, when you take your kid to work and everything. So years go by, I'm still involved in politics because that's the only job I ever wanted to be was a politician. So I figured the best way to be involved in politics is to know about these politicians. And Eddie Bernice Johnson ran for office, and she got elected uh, to uh, uh to be the state senator. But before we get to that part, let's go in time. And I know, Vic, uh, you have one of those pictures there. You've been looking through my Facebook. If you're on Facebook, you can follow me. You know I have several Facebook pages, the Air Grade Black History page. We're going to go back in time. Show that picture of me in 1978, which was, what, a, a, a couple years before you were born. Before you were born. So 1978, I worked in Washington, D.C. as a congressional intern for Jim Maddox. And when I came back from Washington, D.C., one of the first things I did, one of the first things that I did was uh, get a voter registration card uh, when I was 17 to sign up to vote in 1980. So in 1980, when it came time for election time in 1980, my voter registration card had just been approved, and then I was able to vote in the 1980 election. So we had the 1980 elections. Before that, we had the senatorial, uh, the senatorial convention 
we can take it down. They had the senatorial convention at Bishop College. Show you how long ago. Bishop College. Bishop College. It's no longer there. It's Paul Quinn College now. But uh, Eddie Bernice Johnson was there as well, and she had worked for that time for the president of the United States in a regional office. Uh, she worked for President Jimmy Carter. So we were all at Bishop College, and you, you just got to imagine what this is. It's, it's 1980 now. I don't look like this. I look like that picture that Vic just put up a minute ago. I look like that. That's pretty close to it. Two years later, I look, I, nothing much had changed. I just got a high school diploma. That was about it. So what happened was, what happened was that we had the senatorial convention and we had all of these people who were running the senatorial convention. I throw some old names for us people older. Uh, we had some people such as uh, <clears throat> John Wiley Price. And John Wiley Price wasn't Commissioner John Wiley Price. He was just John Wiley Price. He was 28. I was 18. And we had to go ahead and get uh, allotted so many delegates. How many delegates were, were going to vote for Kennedy, Edward Kennedy, and how many voters were going to vote for Jimmy Carter, that kind of thing. So we had Commissioner John Wiley Price, then John Wiley Price, Domingo Garcia, who had recently graduated from Texas Southern University from law school. These were the people I just hung out with, you know, politicking. And, of course, Eddie Bernice Johnson. Reverend Peter Johnson was there as well. And uh, I recall that Eddie Bernice Johnson had said at that particular point as we were going through uh, who were going to uh, get allotted to go to the senatorial convention that we needed young people to be there. And, of course, I'm 18. So I got elected to become a delegate to the senatorial convention. That's the same senatorial convention that Oscar Mousey, uh, yep, Oscar Mousey was a state senator at that time. We didn't have Eddie Bernice Johnson as a state senator, let alone congresswoman. Dallas was represented by a group of men, white men, totally different than what you see today. There was no Royce West as a state senator. There was no congresswoman. Man, Mark Vesey, as a state, uh, as a congressman, there was no congresswoman Eddie Bernice Johnson. There was no congresswoman Jasmine Crockett. All there was was hopes and dreams, and taking care of business. So that day, that day, as we were uh, politicking, eighteen years old, I met Eddie Bernice Johnson again from the first time I met her. As a little boy, literally a little boy, I met her as a grown man. So from that particular point, that's when our relationship as adults started. So she told me at that time that, hey, we got to take care of our business. White people have been taking care of our business for years. Now it's time for us to take care of our business. So that's how we got started in politicking. Through the years, she's been a strong advocate, a strong advocate for her community. And when we come back, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to play some jazz interlude because I know I'm going through a lot real quick. And I want to get to the part how, how I, as a representative of the unions and how the unions had worked with Congresswoman Johnson. But before we worked with Congresswoman Johnson, we had to get her elected to, we had to get her elected to the state senate let's take a couple of breaks and we'll come right back gordon jackson thank you for listening in we will come back we're just talking a little bit about uh uh we're talking a little bit about uh congresswoman johnson let's play that black press clip as well we want to make sure we support the black press as well all right thank you hi my name is gail todd with townview realtors if you find yourself in the market to buy, sell, lease, or maybe you want to be a part of this hot real estate market by investing, 
Just give my team of professionals and I a call at 214-675-9572. Again, that's 214-675-9572. Or you can email me at gtodd88 at yahoo.com. With me, it's all about you. What's up, beautiful peoples out there? It's your boy, Maul, a.k.a. Cool Pop Watson, baby. Make sure you check my man out. Three to five every Saturday. Commission Radio Show. Make sure y'all come check my man out. Hey, this is Cheryl Smith, and when I'm looking for news and information, I tune in to The Commission on Saturdays. Back again, I'd like to thank Cheryl Smith and the Black Press as well. My understanding that there will be an award given out soon, and I will tell you more about that at a later time. I'd like to also uh, point to uh, uh, like to point to that picture that we have that is beside me. And there we are. We have that picture of Eddie Bernice Johnson. Uh, Eddie Bernice Johnson, that's the way she, she looked at the time that uh, we were at Bishop College. There you go. That's excellent, man. I like the way you got that picture up there. That, that way we we'll always have a, a visual of, of me and also the topic. Introduce the topic and drop it, of course. So, Eddie Bernice Johnson, uh, we talked about that picture, myself and Congresswoman Johnson talked about that picture. I posted it on Facebook, and she had told me, she said, that's when I look good. And I said, Congresswoman Johnson, I said, uh, you still look good. You still look good. And she's always been a person that was very fastidious in her dress and her manners. She was always the type of woman that you just couldn't step to her with no kind of nonsense. When I knew uh, Eddie Bernice Johnson as a little boy, I just remember her and my mama being like alike, you know, because you just couldn't come to them with no kind of nonsense. So when I saw Congresswoman Johnson, or shall I say again, EBJ at Bishop College, that's the way she was when she said we're getting ready to take care of business. Taking care of business meant that we were going to do exactly that. You know, that was a time when we had people, uh, we had a, a different system in Dallas in which black people were not allocated the right amount of seats allotted in power at Dallas City Council. But what she did, what she decided to do was actually run for the state senate. As I said before, Oscar Mousey was the state senator at that time. He was the state senator in the 23rd senatorial district. We used to have some knockout, knockout battles there. I remember those knockout battles there. I was trained by the best people in Dallas. If you could survive the 23rd, you can go anywhere. But she decided to run for the 23rd senatorial seat. And when she decided to run, she ran against two men, two men, two esteemed gentlemen, Jesse Oliver, I'm going back in time. If you're in Dallas, you know what I'm talking about for a certain period of time. Some of you people say, I don't even know what the hell he's talking about. But Jesse Oliver, the Jesse Oliver family, which was a very prominent family, and also also Sam Hudson's family. So Sam Hudson, Jesse Oliver, and Eddie Bernice Johnson were in a three-way race. The unions had backed Sam Hudson. They had backed Sam Hudson. And I told them, I said, look, EBJ was going to win that race. She was going to win the race. So what they did was, uh, well, they had to come back and eat crow. So when they came back and eat crow, this is, I, I was in the room because I was sent to be in the room. So they sent me because I'm the young guy, and I had told them that Eddie Bernice Johnson's going to win, and they wanted somebody to make good with Eddie Bernice Johnson. So in politics, this is what happens. You need two things to win elections. If you're listening, everyone knows it. You need money and you need votes. Those are two things. 
Unions provide both. Unions provide money and they provide votes. Politicians, whether or not they're running for judge, whether or not they're running for county commissioner, whether or not they're running for Congress, they have to do a lot of things. Among the things they have to do is they have to have meetings with people to get the money and votes. So during this time frame, during this time frame, check this out. During this time frame, the unions, the AFL-CIO, had picked the wrong candidate. So guess who they picked to go ahead and make good with Eddie Bernice Johnson? That was me. So let's put that picture up there of what her office looked like. The picture where it has all of the uh, uh, the pictures of the other people in it in the background. <clears throat> so this is what happens. I'm 25 years old. I don't look like what you see on the screen now. I'm 25 years old. Can you put more than multiple pictures down on the wall down there? All right. Put up that other picture of myself when I was 16 years old when I was in Congress on the other side of it. So we'll have two pictures flanking me, one on both sides. So let's just multi let's go through the pictures on that. This is a learning experience, folks. So sort of like being in class. So now, anyway, so they send me 24, 25 years old. My only experience had been a congressional intern, which they said is pretty good. You can do this. You can handle this. Go tell Eddie Bernice Johnson that we are going to back her and when she's in the runoff. So I go to the office where Eddie Bernice Johnson's at, and there you go. We got the pictures up. And most offices of, 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 of politicians, they have a brag wall. You know, you go in, you just mesmerize. You just look around, and you see all this stuff on the wall, and you see pictures of Barack Obama, pictures of this person, you go like, so that's what you do. So in this particular situation, I went into the office, 24 years old, you know, just a couple of years out of high school. And I went into the office of Eddie Bernice Johnson, and I had this great speech already lined up. And on the behalf of, you have to make sure your voice is deep, on the behalf of uh on the be I got sidebar right here because we got people listening to this all the way in Boston, uh, in, in, in Boston, Massachusetts. Brother Shabazz, thank you, Professor Shabazz, Doctor Shabazz, thank you for tuning in. So, I had this had this speech lined up for EBJ on the behalf of AFL-CIO. We like to thank you for your commitment uh, and to public service, and we like to say that we are prepared to give to you. Uh, funds to run your campaign in the runoff. We know that's going to be greatly needed and appreciated, and we're going to have people to be working uh, on your behalf to make sure we get the message out. Well, yeah, right. So she looks at me and she says, as Miss Johnson always does, she always waits for you to make the first move. So I made the first move, and she just looked at me, and in complete silence she said these words, who sent you? Just cut right through. Like, who are you? And she knew exactly who I was, but she said, who sent you? And I said, well, uh, James Holbrook sent me. That's the guy that's over the unions. She looked at me and she said, the wrong person came. And then she talked just like my mama. She said, you tell Holbrook to come see me himself and whatever we were going to talk about it's double we want more I said I looked down I said yes ma'am because I'm talking to an elder but I also had such social graces to realize I was in a room full of a whole bunch of people that were waiting to come out come into uh, her office so I looked at her and I said, there's a lot of people out there waiting to see you. All of a sudden, the bass of my voice, it went out, and I was a little boy. I said, all of the people out there, they're going to see how fast this meeting went. And it went so quick. Can I just stay in here a little while and just look at the stuff on your wall? And she said, yes, you can, but don't stay too long. I think I stayed about a minute, Vic. But, you know, what ended up happening was that was a lesson learned in politics. 
See, one of the lessons in politics is you play on the level that you are assigned. And she knew what level her assignment was on. Her assignment was not listening to a 24-year-old man-child talk to her about politics when she's done all of the things that she had done before. So I quickly left. That's what politics is about, playing at your level, playing at your level. Sometimes you can punch up, but, you know, that's the main thing. Eddie Bernice Johnson herself has always punched up. She didn't play at her level. She played at a higher level. That's what it is. In an upcoming book that will be published sometime this year, obviously the latter part of this year, we, we got to get past at least – MLK Day. I'll be talking more about our meetings on that. Eddie Bernice Johnson, after she got elected, after she got elected to office, she ran for Congress and also won that seat as well. Let's run uh, through some of the uh, pictures that we have of her dealing with constituent services. Carol Hampton, I'd like to thank you. Uh, and also at any given time that when you're running a campaign, you need to make sure that you have good people backing you in the community. So, uh, Carol Hampton, I'd like to thank you as well. You've been done a great uh, deal in the community as well. So as soon as Vic put those pictures up, you got some of those pictures up there? You know, I'm getting old, man. I can't see this. Stuff. You got that up there? So the next one I want you to go ahead and put up is uh, one of the latter pictures. And you'll probably see one of those. I think it's the one with uh, Ronald Jones. And so we'll, we'll get to that one. That would be one of the pictures, one of the last pictures. We just rotate some of those pictures through. So I can't see them. You guys can see them as well. So you just go ahead and just change them from time to time on that. But I, I would always, always felt welcome with Congresswoman Johnson. I always feel welcome with Congresswoman Johnson because of uh, the opportunities I had to meet her personally uh, in the community. And uh, we uh, talked all of the time about different things. Uh, among the things we talked about was history. All the time it would come up about my mother. She would remember things about uh, my mother that I would not know, obviously, because they came up together in an era in the segregated South at that time, in which things that we take for granted now, such as I stated earlier, we take for granted now when we have a county commissioner, when we have a congresswoman, when we have a congressman, that they, they're black because we've always had one. But when Eddie Bernice Johnson uh, was there, we didn't always have one. So that would be the case that Congresswoman Johnson was about. When she said taking care of business, our business, one of the things that she took care of, she was the leader of the Congressional Black Caucus. That was a time when I worked in Washington, D.C., when I worked in Washington, D.C., that uh, you could count how many people were in Congress that were black. You could count them. It was like 16, 17 people that was there, but now it's doubled. The amount of people has doubled now. And But she was the chairman of it. And I had the opportunity to meet several people when she was the chairwoman of it, uh, the chairwoman of the Congressional Black Caucus when they came there. We have a picture of Diane Ragsdale there, too, because I understand that she's tuning in as well. And I want to make sure we have that one. I, you, Vic said, I don't even know who Diane Ragsdale is. You have no idea because Councilwoman Ragsdale, he was born in 1984. He would not know. For, forgive his age. But there is one picture there that uh, Congresswoman uh, Johnson, myself, and Diane Ragsdale was uh, at the Ambassador Ron Kirk Bridge. Ambassador Ron Kirk Bridge. And that was a great moment as well because Congresswoman Johnson was one of those people who uh, inspired 
Ambassador Kirk to run for office. And I'm, 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 I'm having this talk with you now because I'm just dropping names. Each time I drop a name, I have to pick it up because I just keep dropping names of people that are historical today. But when I look at them, they were just regular old folks that's doing great things right now, such as uh, Diane Ragsdale, a great friend of ours who watches this show all of the time. I wish you would put that picture up. That would really make me look good in front of her. But I digress. Let's go on. But as we are moving on with this subject matter entirely, constituent services is what congressmen and congresswomen are known for. It's not all of those votes that they have up on Capitol Hill is what they can do and bring to us. When you drive downtown and you go to Union Station, Union Station, it's now Congresswoman Eddie Bernice Station, Congresswoman Eddie Bernice Union Station, to be more precise. That was an area of town in which black people could not actually, actually do anything other than sit in segregated cars. And, but it was a great moneymaker. It's the ironic thing about it. It was a great moneymaker. And if you worked at Union Station and you was black, you had a great job. You had a great job. But, you know, when I see that building now, I think about what Congresswoman Johnson did. When I was a young man, one of the things that I tried to do was save Amtrak. I'm really going back. I got letters and stuff now, right now, committed to save Amtrak. You know, I started the committee. I was 16 years old. I want to make sure the Union Station still stood. So when I look at that, that is still standing, I think about what she herself had did on that. We have to honor people today about things they did before in the past because it can inspire people such as myself when I was 16 to do things as well. So that is one of the things that we are talking about now. Eddie Bernice Union Station, uh, Eddie Bernice Johnson Union Station. Uh, so we're going to put that up in the chat later on, but I want to go back again to what we were saying as well uh, regarding what she did Interns, and I want to say as well, interns, and this is a, a picture that we have here of uh, Congresswoman Johnson when she was on this show, right here on this show. She actually attended this show, and and uh, the next one we can tell, we can put up there is, is uh, the one of me and uh, uh, Congresswoman Johnson laughing. So we can do that one. So that can bring context into that. But uh, Congresswoman uh, Johnson uh, had great interns, and one of those interns is DeMarcus Alford. DeMarcus Alford has ran for office before, but he's a great intern, and that's where it all starts. When you intern, you, 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 you know what things are happening. Like myself, when I was younger, I, I knew things that was happening because I'd wake up in the morning time, and I'd go to work on Capitol Hill, and the first person I would see would be Tip O'Neill. You're going to have to look him up, uh, Vic. You don't know who Tip O'Neill is. He was born in 1984. But uh, Jesse Jackson, you probably know who that is. But Jesse Jackson and Edward Kennedy, I would see these people as I was going to my office on Capitol Hill. But interns are, are great because they keep you tuned in to what's going on in the community with constituent services. Constituent services congressmen and congressmen, they're the ones who make sure that you have a problem getting your Social Security, that they, go, they can go ahead and interface and say, hey, why is this person having a problem with this? That's what congressmen and congressmen, uh, congressmen and congresswomen are supposed to do, constituent services. They're supposed to represent you on Capitol Hill. That's what they're supposed to do. Their staffs, they're supposed to do that. They're supposed to remove roadblocks. And those are the things that that, uh, that has happened before, uh, that she helped remove roadblocks, getting people services. Now, during this time frame, this time frame, a lot of people decided to run for her seat. And they ran respectfully for a seat, and some occasionally said she had been there too long. But, you know, when I've often thought about this, if you're the champion, you got to knock the champion out. There's a reason why... People will be there a long time because they give 
great constituent services to their constituents and people know what's going on. And they know what's going on. If you help me, then I'm going to vote for you. That's the bottom line. They're going to vote for you. And she retired from her position. She retired from her position because she was old. She, She would still be there. She would still be there. But she maintained office because she was able, 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 and consistently was able to provide constituent service and also picked who was going to succeed her in office. That's called legacy building. When you decide that you are going to leave and retire from office and you decide at that particular point in time that I am going to leave and this is the person I'm going to choose. I believe it was like 12 people ran for her slot the next, the last time that she ran for office. And out of the 12 people that ran for a slot to succeed her, rather, that she picked one and that person eventually got into office, that's legacy building. It's like you came in as a winner, you left as a winner. Let's uh, do a quick drop and we'll come right back. Hello out there. My name is Byron Williams, former NFL player. I'm with the NFL Players Association. And when I'm not in the community, I'm listening to Mr. Ed Gray, the commish. Men, you've been spending countless hours on YouTube searching for encouragement and empowerment. I want to give you the tool that you need today. It's InTheHuddleOnDemand.com. Go to InTheHuddleOnDemand.com today for the encouragement and empowerment that you've been searching for. You'll get a behind-the-scenes look of what's been going on with In The Huddle with Chris Howe. Go and check it out today. Who was that masked man? You mean you don't know? That was no masked man. That was the commission. Saturdays from 5 to 6 p.m. on the Fishbowl Radio Network. Hi, my name is Gail Todd with Townview Realtors. If you find yourself in the market to buy, sell, lease, or maybe you want to be a part of this hot real estate market by investing, just give my team of professionals and I a call at 214-675-9572. Again, that's 214-675-9572. Or you can email me at gtod 88 at yahoo.com. With me, it's all about you. All right. All right. Back again. We're about to go to a close on this. I want to say... Uh, I had the opportunity, uh, if you go on my page, uh, I just wanted to keep talking this time. I could easily put in the, uh, the videos, but there's a video that we had, uh, regarding, I'll read one of the comments regarding, uh, Kay Fluella. Uh, let's say Diane Ragsdale, uh, Councilwoman Diane Ragsdale, she also continued to bring the bacon home. You, you folks may not know what that means. That means bringing the money home, money for the district in North Texas, uh, money in the people of, of North Texas. So that's what we're doing. Please share this, if you will. Thank you, Councilwoman Ragsdale, as well. So we we were talking earlier regarding uh, regarding uh, how politics works, the backroom uh, politics and everything. I think I'm halfway good at it. Uh, I'm, I'm obviously good with it. a lot of people come to this show, as you uh, can see from uh, the pictures that Eddie Bernice Johnson was, uh, Congresswoman Johnson, being here on this show. Got that one of us laughing and everything? Let's put that one up. Uh, put that one up. Now, put in context that one. That was one of those deals here that uh, Congresswoman Johnson came and uh, the, I not this past election, but the election before uh, Congresswoman Johnson was here. That was one of the elections in which, uh, a campaigns rather, in which a lot of people had decided to run against her. And, and uh, several people ran against her, and they have Monday Night Politics, of which I'm one of the sponsors for at the African American Museum. Uh, so one of those things that happened was that she decided that she was not going to be 
a part of Monday night politics. She chose not to do that. And she said, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. So she had called me up and said, I'd rather come on your show and talk politics. You got that picture up yet, Vic? All right. Of me and her laughing? No, nah, I want the West of laughing because I want, I want to show you the content so that you can put that one up of her at Fishbowl and one of me and her laughing here because that that is a telling picture there because that picture shows the, the depth of our relationship uh, because, as I stated before, nobody just walks up to Congresswoman Johnson and, and, and just, like, talk to her, talk to her, like, that you, you you can't get personal with, with her like that. It's like you don't know her like that, dude. So there we go. We have it somewhere else, and you don't have it. So we're gonna end up having to close that one. I'm gonna end up having to send that one to you and tell you. I'm gonna slide this this phone right over here to you so you can pull that picture some kind of way up. So I need to keep talking on this. So now what ends up happening is that Congresswoman Johnson arrived here at the fishbowl and at the fishbowl one of the things that we did we had the green room so to speak in which she uh uh came uh to the show and we were just waiting for her to uh to be interviewed so she had one of her folks there and one of her folks was there and and i heard her say it she says ask him why he's called the commission now, she could have very well asked me that herself, but when you have people to go ahead and do those things, well, well, that's what ends up happening. So I went ahead and told her, uh, I heard it, so I went and I scooted my chair over, because it's one of these chairs we have here in the office now. I scooted the chair over to her, and I asked her, you know, to, uh, I need to have a word with you. And when I did that, I said, so you want to know why they called me the commission? And she said, yes, why do they call you the commish? I said, well, in that particular case, Vic, this, disregard it, we're going on. Come on back. So what ended up happening is we'll send that picture out to you later. So I told her that, what did you think I was, one of these Negroes that just like to give themselves a title? And she just bursted out laughing. Now, that's a great picture. Only if we had that picture up there that you'd be able to see it. But what it was, it symbolized something other than that. It symbolizes what we end up having in the African-American community, which is a situation in which some people are in the community, and what they try to do, they try to go ahead and make themselves more of what they are. But in her case, what she did was she asked, why? And then she understood through the joke that I told that this is what it is. So what it is is that we use our platforms to make ourselves better no matter what. Let's run to a couple more pictures here. Two last instances in which I saw Congresswoman Johnson. And these are the instances in which she's always uh, lifted people up. Kay Fluellen, Fluellen's uh she does great hair, I, except I don't go there, obviously. But uh, uh, the Fluellens, they did the hair of Congresswoman Johnson. So she shows up at one of the events that they have honoring uh, Fluellens' uh, hairstylist. And she gave a great, a great, great speech about how it was uh to run a business and what you should do to run a business. And in it, she was supporting black economics. But most of all, she was doing what she was giving advice. And that advice that she was giving was you don't spend all your money. You do give back to the community and you provide a good quality service. One of the things I liked about Congresswoman Johnson is that she was always Mentoring, always mentoring, always mentoring. Because you can't build up your community if you don't take somebody along with you. You can't do that. And that is one of the things that 
we talked about. Shout out to Sherry Fluellen, who just happened to drop in right there. Uh, shout out to her as well. So uh, what we are going to do as well, since we don't have that clip, we will put that in the chat. Please, please, please. I'm like James Brown. Please, please. Vic don't know who James Brown is, neither. He was born in 1984. Please disregard again, Vic. Look him up on Wikipedia. But please, please, please share this video out. Also join our YouTube channel as well, Ed Gray, the Commission Radio. Uh, the last time that I saw Congresswoman Johnson, the last time I saw Congresswoman Johnson, I'm having a heavy sigh right now. It's because uh, where I was at, uh, Mayor Ron Jones of Garland, a dear, great family friend of mine as well, my, his son, Ron Jones II, was, is on this uh, chat line as well. Shout out to him. And please share that with uh, Reverend Jones and Dr. Jones as well. When I uh, was growing up, and I said, stated earlier before, Craig Watkins was in my house uh, quite frequently. They played uh, football with my younger brother, was in the Cub Scouts. Ron Jones, uh, Mayor Ron Jones, uh, was uh, the Cub Scout leader as well. So uh, those were the people that were in my house. And Mayor Jones had the renaming of the Garland Municipal Building uh, in his honor. And one of the people that showed up was Congresswoman Eddie Bernice Johnson. And, you know, I'm getting up in age, and not too many people can boss me around that I will actually do what they say. Well, Mayor Ron Jones is one of those people. And not too many people can boss me around where where I respond that way as if I'm a child. Mayor Ron Jones is one of them people. So Mayor Ron Jones, as I'm taking the pictures, and as I'm taking the pictures of of, of uh, the people there, Eddie Bernice Johnson is in there as well. So Eddie Bernice Johnson is there, and uh, Mayor Jones says, Manny, I'm telling y'all a secret. That's my middle name. My middle name is Emmanuel. So only people call me that is people who, who related to me and who've been knowing me a long time. He said, boy, come take this picture. I said, oh, wow. I got I to gotta take the picture. So I take the picture, and he says he apologizes because he said it. <laughs> he said, I've been doing him a long time. I've been doing him since he was a little boy. And Congresswoman Johnson said, I've been doing him a long time. I've been doing him since he was a little boy. So, being that little boy, my mother passed away, and one of the first people who sent me her condolences was Eddie Bernice Johnson. Hmm. I'm going to miss her, because a little bit of my life has been tied to the past. And that past disappeared this past December. But I'm glad we had this opportunity to have Eddie Bernice Johnson in our life. She's a great woman. Thank you for tuning in to the Commission Radio Show. All right, let's play some music, and we're out. And I'd like to send a shout-out to all of those people who've been tuning in. Please share it. And uh, I'd like to also recognize them as well before we go out. And uh, that would be uh, Kay Fluellen, who, uh, who's listened in, and Dr. Harry Robinson, who's in as well. And we will be uh, honoring uh, Juanita Kraft and Dr. Martin Luther King at the African American Museum next week. But I would like to again send a thank you, a heartfelt thank you for you guys for tuning in. And also, I'd like to really again thank the uh, the Johnson family for allowing me this opportunity to voice how much this lady meant to me and my family as well because uh, I understand exactly what they're going through because I had to go through a lot of that myself 
when my mother passed away. But what we have to always realize that we always stand on the shoulders of giants. And Eddie Benice Johnson was one of those giants. Let's roll. Hey, you know, whenever I want good Cajun food, I go to Thibodeau's, located at 107 North Cedar Ridge in Duncanville, Texas. They're really hot, just like the Commission Radio Show in Thibodeau's. Hot is this gumbo. We will see you later at Thibodeau's.
still cope with pain every night My mind is still riddled with pride I go through a lot to cover up what I feel inside I can't get past the shame And I still feel I am to blame Even though my brain tells me that's Loved by many, hated by a few, respected by a whole second to none. I just want to make sure my hair is all right. You know, how am I looking right now? Like Morris Day used to do back in the day with time, you know. So I want to go ahead and spend a couple of minutes of time, you know, like Morris would do. You know, uh, spend a, wait a minute, hold on, I'm doing another time joke. Vic don't know nothing about the time. Vic, Vic. As you know, I just found out my producer was born in 1984. You don't know anything about Morris Day in the time. No, sad, sad. Culture in America today is just nothing the way it is. Nothing the way it is. We want to spend the last couple of minutes of talking about things in our show that uh, we need to talk about because when I say this radio show is the best radio show from Como to the Congo, and now you know. Well, I'm going to say a, a, a couple of things about what's going on in sunny South Dallas where the sun never stops shining. The sun never stops shining. As you know, AT&T is a big corporation. I believe it's like humongous corporation, humongous corporation. And their national headquarters, I was going to call it top 500. I don't know what it is now. It's, it's top five. I don't know what it is. But I used to be employed by AT&T. Used to work there for 41 years and 13 days and four hours. I counted even the hours before I walked out the door and my badge stopped working. But, <laughs> but you know, this is one of the things I want to talk to you about is that in the community today, uh, and, well, they probably got it fixed now because, well, it's been blasted in on Channel 8 News. WFAA did a story on it, and also uh, it was done in the Dallas Morning News. And some people contacted me and asked me, and they said, are you going to talk about it? You know, you used to work for AT&T. You're going to talk about it. You know, I, I never have talked about the company that I used to work for because I have the utmost respect for it, and they haven't done anything wrong uh, for me to talk about. You know, that that stock shares are what they are. You know, but you know, I've, I've worked there for 41 years and 13 days and four hours, so I feel like I can talk about things that are happening at AT and T that are external. I'm not talking about things internally. I'm talking about things externally. So externally, I want to go ahead and say right now, right now that what's going on in the hood, in the hood, in the hood. For those of you that don't know what in the hood means, this is a cultural show as well. That means it's short for, what is it short for, Vic? Neighborhood. neighborhood. There we go. Neighborhood. Some people go, I don't know what that means in the hood. Neighborhood. Just imagine Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. But in the neighborhood that a lot of black and brown people live at in South Dallas, they don't have phone service. No phone service. Go figure. No phone service. So no phone service in South Dallas. And what they have said is that and what I've heard, what I've heard is what they said this is what I've heard, because I'm not there. I'm not working there. Then I'm going to get down to my point 
of the inequities of infrastructure that exists in South Dallas as compared to any, anywhere else in Dallas. What I've heard that cable, they have a shortage of cable, which they don't have a shortage of cable. Someone said they have a shortage of cable. Someone stole some cable and some fiber, and therefore they don't have any. No, wrong. I used to manage that part of the business. I had five states. I was the only person who did that. AT&T, I'm about to say we, AT&T has a whole warehouse full of cable. There is no reason why somebody should. I'm wondering right now whether or not someone did something with my, with, 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 with my, my feed here because I, my feed has went desperately down here. So I want you guys to share this as well. There is no reason why AT&T, which operates nine miles away, even less than that, less than 10 miles away from South Dallas, portions of South Dallas, they don't have internet and phone service. And a lot of people sit there and they go like, I got my phone service. But phone service is more than just cell service. It's internet service. Internet service and landlines. I know you talk about landlines. I don't have a landline. Right. But a business line. And I'll mention the name of the company. Two Partners Barbecue. Two Partners Barbecue was on WFA, correction, they were on the Dallas Morning News complaining, saying they didn't have phone service. This is completely unacceptable that a corporation this big, this large, did not and could not provide phone service for people for over 10 days. 10 days. If it's Christmas, and here it is, we get ready to get ready to go to Martin Luther King's birthday, and they still don't have phone service? Come on, folks. What the hell is going on here? What the hell is going on here when you don't have phone service for people who live in the fourth largest metropolitan area in these United States? They don't have phone service? No phone service? No phone service? No phone service. And then the, the, the other portion of this is that the people there have just accepted it as if, they don't have no phone service. They working on it. No. If you were in Highland Park, technicians would be out there all time of the night. How do I know? How do I know? Because I was one of those technicians that they called out in the middle of the night. How do I know? I was a manager of some people who had to cut cable to provide the cable for the technicians to cut and then install it in the ground. And we would be out there 24-7 to make sure of that unacceptable i've been responsible for putting up cable and it starts right now for me cutting the cable up sending it on a truck sending it from point a to point b where the cable is out so the technicians can go ahead and place it in the ground or hang it in the air i've done this for areas much larger than south dallas i've done it where the whole the whole Commonwealth of Puerto Rico was down, and I had to get cable and fiber out from Lancaster, Texas, to Puerto Rico, so people could have phone service. So this is completely unacceptable for AT&T. Put your name on a building, that's all good. Put your name on a building, is all good. The Cowboys playing in it, it's great. But you know, you can't provide for the least of these? For two partners barbecue, they can't get that. If Jerry Jones cable was down at AT&T Stadium, how fast do you think? Well, first of all, it wouldn't have went down. Hear me? It wouldn't have went down. So that's what we have to do. Another thing, folks, is that when these things happen, you have to make sure you make the phone calls into folks. You have to make sure they... Uh, alerted. So I contacted AT&T and I was told that, well, they didn't know what was going on. Well, that's not real. You know, contacting people is not just getting on the phone and then placing a complaint on the phone through some chat line. You need a real person. So I did that on Twitter. Come on, Twitter? 
It's an automatic response on Twitter. Come on, Twitter? That's not the way that works. In my day, in my day working for AT&T, we'd been out there. You'd have technicians out there overnight, managers out there with these technicians to make sure they don't go to sleep, don't go home, all that. Make sure the job gets done so people would actually have their phone service. I understand it's a new new company. Things are done differently now. But one thing in America should never be done differently. It's good customer service. And good customer service starts with the least of these. And the least of these is the greater good for the community. There's no one that's the least of these. Because everyone's in this, as they say this together, because everyone's dollar is the same. But unfortunately, in this particular case, we have what we consider infrastructure inequity. Infrastructure inequity is when some communities, based upon their zip codes, are given the last and the least amount of service. So for AT&T, the company that I love so dearly, that's provided a roof over my head, food on my table, what the hell are we doing? It pained me to put this out here. But what also pained me is the fact to realize that for 41 years and 13 days of my life that I gave every amount and ounce of my energy to make sure that we provided for good customer service. And after I'm gone, I realized that it was all a lie. That some people don't get the same amount of service that other people do. And now it's clearly obvious that nothing's being done about it. In the past, that was true, and you got the service. But it sure the hell didn't take 10 days for you to get it. Thank you for listening to the Commission Radio Show. And I'm going to give a call to somebody down in sunny South Dallas where the sun never stops shining to ask if I could have a barbecue sandwich. See you guys later. I'm ahead of the two partners. All right, take care. Hello out there. My name is Byron Williams, former NFL player. I'm with the NFL Players Association. And when I'm not in the community, I'm listening to Mr. Ed Gray, the commish. Who was that masked man? You mean you don't know? That was no masked man. That was the commish. Saturdays from 5 to 6 p.m. on the Fishbowl Radio Network. Hey, you know, whenever I want good Cajun food, I go to Thibodeau's, located at 107 North Cedar Ridge in Duncanville, Texas. They're really hot, just like the Commish Radio Show in Thibodeau's. Hot as this gumbo. We will see you later at Thibodeau's.
Call me the tech to smile. 